Welcome to Pure Intuitive Talk with me, Trish Smith. I'm a multidimensional channeler sharing my gift to assist others to connect and work with their whole being, helping bring them into a beautiful way of high-frequency living. Immerse yourself in an hour of nourishment that feeds your spiritual journey and invites you to embrace your empowered soul. You'll feel armed with new understandings for how to shift from pain to love as we explore topics from shamanic sound healing to gut health. Are you ready to take accountability for the impact that we have on the world around us and learn new tools and techniques to feel whole again? Of course you are, and you're in the right place. Your intuitive talk starts now. Hey, everybody, welcome. This is a very special show. Uh, first of all, I'm Dr. Pat, and I am here with the host of the show, Pure Intuitive Talk. This is a show with Trish Smith. Now, this is about the energy of power, being unlimited, being resilient, and having your essence shine through. But where do we get this from? You know, what happens when we go through life and life doesn't always turn out the way we thought? It could be a job loss. I don't know. You name it. It could be any number of things. But very few people go through what, what Trish Smith went through. You're going to hear her story today. And you're going to hear how she managed to survive one of the most horrific, horrifying situations that a woman would ever be faced with. This show today, though, is for you to hear it in her words and to understand what got her from that point to be that person that's on a mission, holistic life coach. She specializes in supporting mothers of children with special needs, grief support. You know, she is a trained death doula. But that's not all. You see, you have to ask yourself, where does all that come from? Where does the idea of caring for the dying come from? And I will tell you this, you either had to be close to it yourself or have had an experience of it. Today, you're going to hear her story. Educated in early childhood education. She's worked with thousands of children, children all over the world, children with autism, cerebral, you name it, ADHD. But how did she get to become the coach you want to hire if you want to understand emotional freedom, freedom from post-traumatic stress disorder? And by the way, that, that energy of post-traumatic stress disorder, that isn't just from horrific events. That is happening to people coming out of COVID. But here she is prepared to help. When you hear her story and you hear what this was like for her over 20 years ago, waking up on an average day of her life, going to her job, saying goodbye to her husband, you'll understand why her life now and her passion and her purpose is committed to helping the rest of us understand the multi-layer impact of traumatic events. Today, I want to introduce you to this amazing woman. You know, whether it's watching her do yoga or going into her studio and 
and having a coaching session with her, there's one thing to keep in mind. She is skilled, she is trained, and she has a story. Boy, does this feel like good times today. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. I love it. This is a show that's going to invite all of you to open up your heart because it's about dreams coming true. There's a road we get to take as we craft out and we lay a course that's in service of so many others. Sometimes the universe, God, whatever you believe in, have you ever wondered why, but better than why, or how the universe knows how to line things up in a way that gets you ready for the most expansive part of who you're going to become. This is the time to change and gratitude. Eating with love opens up more expansive possibilities than you can imagine. Crust busting your way to an awesome life. I want to thank you all for tuning us in, turning us on on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Trish, you know, look, I just briefly gave people a little bit of background, but you're going to take us on a journey because what I've learned and what you've learned is when we are so on our purpose, there's always something underneath it. Your purpose now is to help others, help others heal. You do this by what you've created, pure intuitive. Uh, here you are today, but 21 years ago, something happened that changed your life. What was it like? It was, was it just like an ordinary day that you just like got up, put your shoes on and off you went? That's the way it started. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way that day started. It was February 15th, um, 2001, actually. And like any other day I did, I got up. I'm not a morning person, so I sure, I'm sure I had a nice slow morning. I have a toddler at the time. He's two and a half years old, the light of my life. And I had a housekeeping job that I had later. I would be doing that evening, but I did spend the day taking care of my toddler, cleaning the house, just as I normally would. I mean, everything felt great. It was just as good a day as any. <laughs> <laughs> and back then I was young and I had a lot of energy. I was 24 at the time. So I'm sure we played a lot that day and prepared myself for the rest of the evening. I had a housekeeping job that I started at four o'clock. So I waited for my husband to get off of work and I would give him my son and then I would go clean this person's house. So, you know, not expecting anything to be different or any reason to have a phone with me that evening. My husband said, Oh, if you just hold on, I'll get you, I'll give you my cell phone. I don't need a cell phone. I'm good. Bye. Did not want to <laughs> see ya. Um, so I did, I went down, drove down to the house that I cleaned that evening and went there, enjoyed cleaning. I still enjoy cleaning. And I spent, probably four hours cleaning the house that evening. So I started at four o'clock in the afternoon. By the time I get off, it's eight, almost eight 30, maybe it's dark out. I would use the homeowner's telephone, the home phone. I know people don't have those these days, but it was on the right. wall. It was on the wall. <laughs> it was connected to the wall. And I called my husband. I said, I'm all done. I'm on my way home. Same thing as I always did you know, and 
I then left the house thinking nothing of it. I house looked great. Turn around, took that one last look like, damn, it looks good. I did a good job. Cause when you enjoy cleaning, you like that instant gratification. So I, I remember looking and everything looked great. And I thought job is done here. Went to leave the house. I went to exit the front door, walked out of it. I didn't even have time to turn around and lock it. Wow. When a man in a mask was running toward me from around the side of the house and it was dark out. So by the time I realized he was coming at me, he must have been a very fast runner because he got to me very quickly. He had a knife in his hand. He had a mask on and I fought for my life. That's scary. Now this was in what, where was this? California? This is in Temecula, California. California. Okay. Uh Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Back up in the hills a little bit. So we're we're not really in the, in the city. We were kind of back up in the hills. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like I was surrounded by neighbors and in a neighborhood. Um, But yeah, we were back up in the hills where nobody could hear you. But (laughs) you know, so he shows up with you and I mean, he just had a bat, just like bat out of hell, right? He's right there. And he's got a knife. And so there you are. The door is not locked, apparently. I mean, you didn't have time to lock it. You know, what did he say to you? He didn't say anything. He'd come at me with a mask so quickly and with a knife so quickly. It my brain went into shock. I didn't know it was Mm -hmm. happening. And my instincts kicked in and I just started fighting. I managed to knock the knife out of his hand Um, he must've been watching. He must've been there and waiting and watching for me to leave the house for me to not even have time to turn around and lock the door with him coming at me. So he did come at me and I started fighting with him. Uh, obviously afraid for my life at this point, went into shock, did not know what was happening. Just instincts take over. I managed to knock the knife out of his hand. And there was another man that lived on the property. I would say it was about a quarter of a mile from the main home. So I'm yelling. I'm yelling and yelling this man's name at the top of my lungs, which then made the aggressor shove his fist into my mouth. And he's wearing those little black knit gloves. He'd shoved his fist into my mouth so hard that it ripped open the bottom of my mouth. To this day, I still have a scar in the bottom of my mouth, which is an interesting place to have a scar, in my yeah. opinion. Um, but as he as he and I were fighting and he's shoving his fist into my mouth, he manages to push me inside of the home where we're still tangling. And then he threw me to the ground. And I just remember it was a terracotta tile flooring. It was hard. And I just remember my, the back of my head hitting the tile and the last thought running through my mind was, wow, that hurt as everything went black. So I blacked out. I can't imagine for too long because the next thing that I remember, I was standing up maybe two or three feet from where I'd been knocked out on the tile. So I would imagine the adrenaline running through me. Mm. I must have gotten back to my feet. However, I had not been conscious because I'd been knocked out on the tile. So, but the next thing I remember, he's standing behind me and he did 
Then he spoke. I don't recall what he said, but I would imagine it was, you know, stop moving, quiet down. <laughs> you were, still, were you still fighting him at that point? What happened to the knife? Did he still have the knife or did that go somewhere? It, I had managed to knock the knife out of his hand oh, in the doorway. Okay. Okay. Yeah, not before it cut my cheek, not too badly, but I, I did have a small cut on my cheek from the knife itself. But the, with him standing behind me and me recognizing his voice, like something inside me, I'm like, I gotta see this guy. Who is this? Yeah, I know this guy. So I reach behind me and I'm pulling his mask and he's back there trying to keep it on. And I just grabbed it and I threw it across the room. Uh, looking back, I imagine he would have probably been quite shocked. I don't think he expected that um, because he kind of froze a little bit, just enough where I could get myself turned around. And then when I looked at him, I knew, I knew his face and wow, yeah. And he had been nice to me previously. He also worked for the homeowner. And so my brain being in shock, I looked at him and said, I know you, you wouldn't hurt me. <laughs> he looked me dead in the eye and said, yes, I would. What were you thinking? I mean, that had to be a moment where. Okay. What are you thinking at the moment? Shock kind of, the shock wore off in layers that evening. And that was one of those moments where part of the shock wore off. And then my brain trigger started working a little bit. And my brain had the thought of, yeah, he did. He just did. He just did hurt you. And like the reality kind of set in mm -hmm. of what had just happened. Right. But what were you feeling? Attacked. I mean, what were you feeling at that moment? I mean, here you are attacked by a guy in a door and now you're in the house. Nobody's hearing you. No. And he's, he just told you he's going to hurt you. Yeah. How, how afraid were you? I went from not having a single thought, only acting on instincts and fighting to him saying, yes, I would. And all of the wind in my sails just left. And uh, it, I then became afraid. Then the fear set in. Mm. And I realized the situation I was in. And then he says to me, as my fear is setting in, go to the bedroom. That is, those are the worst words I think a woman ever wants to hear from a male aggressor, any aggressor. Wow. Yeah. So I went from the fear setting in to now terrified. Yeah. Just terrified. Um, the bedroom itself was maybe 15 feet away. It was mm -hmm. down the hallway, turn yeah. right, enter into a bedroom. And it felt like an eternity walking down that hallway and I just remember looking him in the face, looking him in the eye and saying, I'm a human being. You're a human being. What is it? What do you want? Just trying to figure out what he wanted, because what I didn't want was him to rape me. <laughs> yeah. So in those moments, um, walking through the hallway, I was really just trying to humanize with him and. And that's what felt right to me in those moments was trying to figure out like, okay, we're two people in this situation. What's going on? I mean, I was obviously still in shock, but 
something inside of me wanted to connect and um, see if we could sort something out because, you know, my, in my mind, him raping me isn't going to work out. That's not going to be a good plan for me. But we, as we walked down the bedroom, down the hallway, he didn't respond to me. Um, he just kept walking and I'm walking backwards, facing him, just trying to plead. And then we entered the bedroom and he said, go to the other side of the bedroom. So I did, I just, I walked over there, um, at that point, feeling hopeless and helpless, Mm -hmm. um, and really recognizing the position I was in was sinking in. What were you thinking? Um, What, what, what was going through your mind at that point though? I mean, you know, go to the other side of the bed. You didn't know what he was about to do. What were you thinking at that moment? It was really very like a doom. It was like this, you know, I really, I didn't, my mind didn't think, you know, grab a chair and break the window and run away. It was, it was all over somehow Mm -hmm. um, in those moments and things shifted throughout the evening. But in that moment, um, I did what he said. Um, and I walked over to the other side of the bedroom and I knelt down on the floor. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And to my surprise, I thought he would be heading toward me. He did not. He walked well, over to the opposite well, side of the well, bed. Let's hold that thought because mm-hmm. we're going to take a short break because now it's got to seem more confusing than ever. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, is, is, are we going to have a ritual? here what's happening you know he's still very focused apparently i mean you saw him he didn't run let's take a short break when we come back what happened next what would you all do if that was you uh maybe you don't know it but at the time what were you like about 98 pounds yeah All right, (laughs) let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Let's find out where do we go from there. We'll be right back. Are you passionate about impacting social change or working towards anti-racism as a society? Are you willing to deconstruct your innermost thoughts, ideas, and beliefs about racism? Then Inflection Point Podcast, Cultivating Change from the Inside Out, is the show for you. Join Anita Russell, Mavis Bauman, and Gail Hunter in open, honest, and deliberate conversations every first and third Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, only on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Are you ready to put down that drink or drug for good? Are you struggling to maintain your recovery from addictive behaviors? Do you need help with a family member or loved one who's in early recovery or battling addiction? Get the help and guidance you need by arranging a recovery recharged phone session with me, Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx, Certified Life and Recovery Coach. Call 1-800-889-1757. Make an appointment today. Or go to my website, pushybroadfromthebronx.com, and click on the link that says Recovery Recharged. Don't wait. 
get the help you need today. This is Ellen Stewart, Pushy Broad from the Bronx, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. You're going to hear a lot more from Trish Smith. You know, today what's happening is all of us, we have a story. We have something that gets us to where we are today. You know, sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's tragic. Sometimes we're shocked we're even survived. Whatever that is, we find ourselves on a pathway that we call our lives. And when we look back, you often wonder, had that not happened, how might my life have been different? Would I be a healer now? Would I be doing what I'm doing? But for you at that moment, Trish, that was a moment you are captive in a bedroom that wasn't yours, kneeling on the side of a bed. What the heck happened next? What happened next was a surprise to me. And fortunately, it was a good surprise because I thought for certain he was going to rape me. So when he walked over to the other side of the bed and opened the nightstand, I was confused. But then he pulled out a gun, a handgun. From the nightstand? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That that didn't feel good. I went from like, okay, I'm going to be raped to, oh, great, now I'm going to be killed. Um, and so I watched him pull out the handgun and then he hunched over. He put his hands on top of each thigh. So he's kind of almost squatting, looks down, he shakes his head and he looks up and he goes, I can't believe I'm going to do this. And in that moment, I knew for certain he was going to shoot me. So I then began pleading for my life. Um, Again, I believe instincts, that survival, you just start. I mean, I tried fighting for my life and he won the physical fight. Now I'm pleading for my life with my words. And I explained to him, I'm pregnant. I was a month pregnant with my younger son at the time. Wow. I said, I'm pregnant. I have a toddler at home. I have to get home to and be a mother to. I have a husband waiting for me at home. I called him. I told him I'm on my way home. I have to show up. You can't kill me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just continued pleading and giving him all of these great reasons why he shouldn't kill me. In my opinion, I thought they were really good reasons. And he must have also because he then walked around to my side of the bed and I remember him placing his hand on my shoulder and saying, I'm not going to kill you. And I thought, okay, well, now I'm more confused than ever. And then the next thing I know, he starts pulling a rifle case out from under the bed. Yeah. He starts pulling handguns out of drawers. Now I had run into guns in this homeowner's house. He often would leave a rifle propped in the corner of the bedroom. I don't know if he was hunting or or home protection. I don't know, but it would just be sitting there Mm -hmm. like 
like it was a decoration or something. Yeah. And um, so I knew that there were guns in the home. I didn't know there were so many. Um, clearly, my attacker did know because he went directly to these guns, went right under wow. the bed, pulled out the rifle case, went directly into the closet, grabbed another rifle case. Then he's pulling out handguns out of drawers. So by the time he's finished collecting guns out of this master bedroom and closet, he had to have had a dozen guns. He now had a backpack full of handguns and the gun that he had had in his hand, he had put into his waist. So now I really feel like I'm at his mercy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 So he wasn't really there for you at the, at, well, now it's different, but he really wasn't there for you. You were the way to get him in the house. He was there yeah. for the guns. Is that, that was the idea? Yeah. It doesn't change the level of fear though. I mean, none of that changes anything. Not you for know, me. I mean, because you're sitting here today, but in that moment, you didn't know you'd be sitting here today. No. Did you? No. Mm. Really thought my fate was sealed that yeah. evening. So what do you do after he piled up all the guns? Why didn't he just leave? Well, that would have been a great idea. Um, but instead, he said, you'll you'll be taking me to the buyer for the guns. I have a buyer and you're going to drive me there. And instead of following orders, I said, I can't take you. I called my husband. I told him I'm on my way home. Like, I'd love to take you, but I just can't. I just got places to be, you know? And he, he then says... I mean, you're almost delirious. You're in shock. It's surreal. Yeah. I mean, I didn't Plus know. you hit your head. Also, yeah, I knocked my noggin. And I said, he said, well, I can tie you up and leave you here. And somehow what bursted out of my mouth was you're not taking my car. Because that was a normal Trish response. I was wow. you know, kind of a feisty little 98 pounder. And, um, so then he says, well, you're going to have to take me. All right. Let's take a short break because, okay, rips off the mask, fights with them all the way, then tells him what he's going to do or not do. <laughs> wow. 15 guns, rifles. Wow. You really were hit on the head, weren't you? But <laughs> what you were doing really worked. But the fear you must have had, I mean, I am imagining now you with this little month old baby really thinking these are my last minutes. This is my last breath. I don't know what to do, but you did something really interesting. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, you did something highly unusual, highly unusual. And it really talks to who you are. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back to continue this fascinating, life-changing story. We'll be right back. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. I 
I am Carissa Atkins, and I help women boss up, get fit, and become unstoppable. And I do this by helping them create healthy habits that support nutrition and exercise and mindset work and stress management and self-care. You get the idea. If that sounds something like you're interested in, you can find me everywhere. Just Google, you know, Carissa Atkins 365 Daily Hustle. It's a global health coaching company. So I'm coaching women all over the world. TransformationTalkRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. Trish, before we continue, because I mean, I'm during the break, I was just trying to get a sense of how terrified I would be right there. And what people are about to hear is going to explain a lot about who you are in the world today and what you're doing. Let's give folks your website, let them know a little bit how they can contact you, work with you. You have a thriving coaching practice. Let's Let's give out some information if we could. Yeah, sounds good. What's your website? You can find me at pureintuitiveguide.com. Great. Everything will be there. Okay. Guns out, out from under the bed. Rifles, handguns. Somewhere you put a handgun somewhere. You're now like, no, you're not taking my car. Oh, and by the way, I'm not driving you. <laughs> okay. Somewhere, somewhere you had to negotiate that. Now, obviously you had to do one or the two of those. What happened next? Because you must have still been petrified. Yes. And at, at this point I have now lost the physical fight and I now lost the, you know, taking my car fight. So clearly he's the one in control. He's got, you know, a dozen or more guns and somehow I keep forgetting the position I'm in. And so once I came to terms with, and the reality set in again, a little bit more shock wore off and the reality set in, oh yeah, he's got a lot of guns. I guess I am driving him. Um, he told me to exit the bedroom. And so I did. And it's interesting to me because the shock that I was in as I was leaving the home the rug in the entrance to the house had been all ruffled from our tangle and our initial fight. And it was so surreal. And I was in such shock. I turned around, I fixed the rug, sorted the rug back out, made sure it was all straight, looked around again as, you know, as I normally would when I exit the home and thing looks good. Okay. I was in shock. It felt surreal. It was like I was in a dream, but it wasn't good. So we exited the home and he loaded the weapons into my vehicle. He instructed me to get into the front seat and he climbed into the back seat, which didn't feel good. It did not feel good to have him behind me mm -hmm. because obviously I don't know what he's going to do at any moment. And he has weapons, so many weapons. <laughs> so he instructed me to drive. And we were back up in the hills, as I'd mentioned earlier. So I was driving down through the hills. Once we came to civilization, I remember looking at the gas station and thinking, oh, my, I just want to pull over and call my husband. I just want to pull over and get out of the car. And I just knew I knew in the back of my mind, if I tried anything silly, I was going to get shot. You know, it was I didn't really have the option in my mind at that time. And I didn't know how to handle that. Um, so I continued driving 
we got onto the freeway and he directed me where to go the entire drive. And as we drove, I remember specifically recording in my mind exactly where we were going. I'm somebody that's not good at directions. I can literally get lost in my own backyard. I've been lost many times out on the road <laughs> before they had maps in your phone. And, um, but I did, I logged, I paid attention to where I was going because I knew I would have to be able to get home. Yeah. yeah. We spent the car ride itself was a good hour and a half or more. Um, and during that time, well, let I me was... remind everybody, this is Southern California. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is, this, this is a, this is a place when the people here in the Pacific Northwest talk about traffic. Yeah. I've never seen anything like <laughs> Southern California. Yeah. So probably it was a half hour ride that probably took you hours. It was, it was not too bad. It was like maybe eight thirty or nine o'clock in the evening by this oh, time. Wow. Oh my gosh. So there was people, there were people on the road, plenty of people, but fortunately there was not a ton of traffic. Mm -hmm. Um, I think being attacked and kidnapped was bad enough. I don't know if I could have managed traffic on top of it. Oh my goodness. Not that kind of traffic. Right. But we, for the next hour or so, I just spent the time convincing him, you know, if you let me go, I'm sure the authorities won't, you know, do anything. But if you kill me, I'm sure they'll try to find you. And I just really kept trying to befriend him. And apparently I'd been doing a pretty good job of befriending him because about an hour into our drive, he climbed up into the front seat from the back seat. That would have scared me right there. That, that yeah. little move right there. Yeah. Why, why, he just like, what are you driving? And he climbs in the front yeah. seat. And he's still wow. wearing his black gloves, but he didn't have the mask on. Yeah. Um, so he climbed up into the front seat and he proceeded to tell me his story of why he was doing what he was doing. He explained to me that the homeowner owed him $12,000 wow. and refused to pay him because he was an illegal immigrant. And the homeowner said, I don't have to pay you. So this man's plan was to steal the guns out of the house. He explained to me that he had a buyer for them and that he had a flight that night that left for Mexico. So his plan was to deliver the guns, hop the plane and be long gone. Wow. Um, somehow, uh, I believe I must have managed to convince them we were good buddies because after our car ride, he had me pull into this cul-de-sac where I didn't know what was going to happen throughout the drive. I honestly, really, truly believed that he would be taking me to another place that had 10 more men that would be raping me and then yeah. killing me. Yeah. yeah, That was what kept running through my mind. Um, and somehow I also knew that if I had tried anything tricky during my drive, that he would freak out and kill me. So even at one point he said, can't you drive faster? And I said, well, I don't think you wanted me to get pulled over the, by the police. And he said, oh no, no, please don't. So, and I kept imagining like, do I, do I drive erratically and try to get myself pulled over so I can get help? But then I thought, well, I know how that's going to turn out. He's going to freak out and he's going to kill me. 
So I was really, every single thing I was doing was trying to make sure that somehow I managed to be alive when this was over. It was definitely all instincts. And, um, you know, I'm somebody that operates from my heart space. So humanizing with him and um, finding that connection so that we could be two human beings in one experience, that felt like the safest thing for me to do. Yeah. And by the time I dropped him off, we pulled into that cul-de-sac. I, I remember pulling over, stopping the vehicle, and he reached over with his arm, patted my stomach with his hand, and said, I hope I didn't hurt your baby. Wow. And he left you in the car? He left me in the car. Okay, so he took his guns out? He really wasn't after you then. No. <laughs> but, you know, from your perspective, you you could not have known that. No. No, you, anybody in that situation pretty much was saying prayers or counting. Yeah. Something was happening right at that moment. What did and you during, do then? During the car ride, he had said to me, he goes, you scared me. I said, excuse me? No, you scared me. Wow. So apparently he hadn't expected me to fight him and he hadn't expected me to take off of off his mask and he hadn't he hadn't planned for those things. I'm not sure exactly what his plan looked like, but it didn't go according exactly to his yeah. plan. Yeah. Um but yeah, he he got out of the vehicle, he grabbed his all of the weapons and he walked away. And the first thing that ran through my mind was he's so stupid. And I don't know why, but that was just the first thought that ran through my mind. And I just, you know, put that thing in drive and I got the heck out of there. Wow. And at yeah. that point, I had memorized how to, how to get home. Thank goodness. So I then got on that road. And at this point, now I'm speeding. I just want to get home. I'm running scared. And for the first time that evening, I went from not feeling terrified, wow. like just plotting, like, okay, what do I do? What do I do? Just trying to, um, yeah. manage how to stay alive. Yeah. You have to feel relieved. Yeah. I mean, but I you know what I mean? Terrified. But exhausted, exhausted yeah. and relieved. Right. And, and I was running alive. scared. Yeah. yeah. But I was running scared. Did you call I, your family or did you just beeline at home? I drove for probably a good hour and I felt like he was chasing me. I felt like oh, he was right. after me. That, that is post-traumatic. That's post-traumatic stress disorder right immediately right yeah. there. Yeah. That feeling did not leave me for years, years. Mm. I pulled over. I was, I was driving. I wanted just to go home. All I wanted to do is get home. Um, again, I thought he was after me, so I did not want to stop. However, I had, let my husband know hours earlier that I was mm. on my way home. So I knew my husband is now yeah. scared and trying to figure out where I am. So I pulled off on not Avenue in orange County. And I got to that payphone. I called my husband and I'll never forget. I, mean, I can still hear him. Of course, but I told him, he's like, where are you? I said, I'm off not Avenue. I'm in orange County. I was attacked. Are you alone? Yes, I'm alone. He let me go. Where are you? Can I, you know, asking me all these questions. I said, I am on my way home. I'm on my way home. Oh. I'll be home. And I remember I can still hear him. He was asking all these questions and I hung up the receiver. 
because I had been looking around at the gas station and I thought that everybody there knew him and they were going to tell him where I was and, and they were going to get me and everybody was going to get me. Yeah. I mean, that is very common looking over your show shoulder all the time. Yeah. It's and doing it since. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and it's, you have to, because that's a memory that just doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. Um, but you were able to get home, right? Yes. Um, how was your baby? My baby was okay. Um, I had a very stressful pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I did not know that I had PTSD, um, but I was a hot mess. Yeah. I was, and I was pregnant. So there was a lot of stress on my body. Yeah. During my pregnancy. That's, that's the insidious nature of PTSD though, isn't it? That's why now you help other people. Yes. Because it, 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 you don't know how long it's going to take for that internal adrenaline, adrenaline to really change. That's why it's so difficult for people that come back from serving in the military. You know, they look great on the outside and it takes yeah. a bit. But in this case, you, you got home. I can imagine that had been the longest hour for your husband. Yeah. Right. No cell phone. He can't get you. But then you show up at the door. So he had to also have a moment of relief when he saw you, right? Yeah, I would imagine. So I pulled into our driveway and he was standing outside on our driveway. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the front door was open. I recall seeing the light from inside the house and I exited my vehicle, stepped out and he immediately oh. embraced me. And then I heard the phone ringing from inside my house. It was oh, right. It was the homeowner because he'd gotten home and realized all of his guns were missing. And yeah. The Trish took him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, but, but you know what happened thereafter, right? I mean, for you, let's talk about that for a minute because it's really key and instrumental to what you offer today and to what your message is. Because, you know, when things like that happen to us, um, People around us, through no fault of their own, they are not educated. So did you have to file a police report? What? What? I mean, I can imagine everybody is berserk at that point. I did. Um, as soon as I told my husband what happened, his immediate response was that he wanted to find the man and, you know, have his way with him. Um the, I did have to make a statement. I ended up speaking with the homeowner and during my car ride, I had promised the aggressor that I would not identify him. Another way I thought would be a great idea for me to live. Yeah. I won't, I won't tell promise. I won't tell. And during the car ride of convincing him, we were best friends. I had managed to convince myself as well during the surreal process. Yeah. And when I got home and my husband and the homeowner was calling. I was not prepared to tell him who it was. Oh. I, and my husband looked at me and he said, Trish, he's not your friend. I said, I can't tell him. I told him I wouldn't tell. And it was interesting because I could felt, feel another layer of shock wear off. It was like, oh, oh my gosh, you know, more reality was setting in. Um, and so I did. I identified him. And I had given a police report, uh, did my statement, and they had a photograph of him. I was able to identify him because he also worked for the homeowner. 
Yeah. Yeah. But but where was he? Where was the guy? Where so, was your where was your aggressor? He had told me that he had an 11:30 or an 11:45 flight that evening from LAX to Mexico. Uh-huh. Okay. I can only assume and speculate that he made the flight and then he ended up in oh, Mexico. Okay. I don't know. I never talked to him again, but yeah. Did you even seen. remember that fact at the time to give the police? But so much time must have passed between the time you dropped the guy off. I mean, he had to be right. long gone. Yeah, it, right. it I would assume he was long gone. If okay. he got on that flight, he was gone. And then you have to pull your life together. Oh. And you have to pull your life together, especially those those days that are right after the event. The last thing that anybody wants to do is answer everybody's questions, but everybody's got yes. questions. Uh, for years, they have questions. Yes. But what what was your reaction? What did you do? How did you go from there to where you are today? It what was, was that journey like? It was difficult. I immediately, like you're explaining, um, my family's reaction was, oh my gosh, we're so glad you're alive. Um, all of my friends and, you know, uh, extended family wanted me to tell the story. So that was fun telling that story and over and over again back then. And, um, I didn't know I had PTSD. I had been through a lot of things in my life prior as a teenager, honestly thought eh, it's one more thing. I didn't know I'd ended up with PTSD from it. Uh, I had become terrified of my own shadow. I had one other house that I still cleaned. I'd cleaned the two houses. I was a stay-at-home mom, and I had these two houses that I cleaned for extra spending money or gas money, whatever was needed. Yeah, yeah. And um, the other woman that I cleaned for it is just the most lovely human. She is one of my best friends to this day. And um, a little teary-eyed thinking about her. She's very special to me. Um, but she stayed home. I would, I continued cleaning her home. The homeowner that I had cleaned prior to the event asked me to stay. And I said, I cannot, I can't even get off your freeway exit. I'm having panic attacks. Um, but oh I did, God, I continued right? cleaning her house. She stayed home with me. And, um, so I had support from some, uh, lack of understanding from others. And so that was tricky to navigate, um, we didn't understand PTSD. We didn't know I had PTSD. By the time I went and sought professional help, it was two years later. I had tried natural ways prior to seeking professional help. I had tried different supplements and herbs and you know, breathing techniques and whatnot. I was still experiencing panic attacks eight hours a day, six days a week before I went and sought professional help. And I managed to land with a psychologist who was supporting what I wanted. I said, I don't want to do the medications. And she said, why don't we try EMDR? If that doesn't work, we can, we, then would you be willing to try medications? I said, sure. So we did, we used the EMDR therapy. Um, it helped in some ways, Yeah. but of course the PTSD is so big yeah. You have to have a million little tools to, to yeah. manage it. Yeah. And so I did that um, after a few months of trying that, I did end up trying the medications and went on Prozac and it, and it really did help. Mm -hmm. So I used that for about 15 months before I went off and then spent the next 20 years um, 
finding all kinds of holistic ways of healing. And since then, I have learned emotional freedom technique, and I have used shamanic sound healings. I have used breathing techniques and yoga and supplements. And there's just so many holistic ways to support ourselves when we suffer from PTSD. Yeah. And we don't talk about them. And you know, what's starting to happen now is I think we're starting to see more and more of that in the community more and more because the results, you know, the results work but you do have to work it. And based on what you experienced for yourself, you then educated and trained yourself as well now to help people in your coaching practice. Tell us about your coaching practice now. I mean, we're going to do a lot more talking, but you know, this is one of those stories where you go through something like this and then you become the one to reach out to help people who actually don't know what they're going through, right? To be honest with you, I have so many tools. I really do. I have (laughs) an arsenal of great tools that I use to help manage my PTSD. Mm -hmm. One of my favorites is gratitude. And one of uh, a mentor that I had, uh, one of my closest friends is her mother. She's passed on now. And she asked me to sit down and find gratitude for the perceived good and the perceived bad in my life. So I was able to sit down with being attacked and kidnapped long enough to have the answers come to me. And that was that I, there was a few answers, but one of them is that I had gained compassion. I had not suffered with panic attacks and depression and anxiety prior to being attacked and kidnapped. Another silver lining was my husband took such great care of me and I got to see that side of him and, you know, now married 22 years and, but really it gave me the opportunity to, to have the inside look at depression and anxiety and panic attacks. And I know it sounds a little twisted, but I honestly wouldn't trade it because I'm fortunate and I'm grateful that I'm in the position that I can help other people. Yeah. yeah. So if I had to do it again, I would do it again. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're in a place now where you got the experience that you needed to really walk away from the cleaning job, do what you needed to do and put yourself on a trajectory. That's why we're here today because it isn't just about this show. It's going to be about the many shows that you're going to do um, and how we're going to share the message of what some of these tools and techniques are because they're so needed now. They're needed now more than ever. And um, I, you know, I didn't know when I first met you that we'd be sitting at a situation where more people are in trauma right now and they are walking around in their life as if nothing has happened. Right. Yeah. Been there, done that. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be the kind of what you went through is extraordinary. It's extraordinary. Um, But the fact that you shared what you did, your kindness to this person throughout that whole thing probably saved your life. What happened to him? Uh, as far as I know, it was three years later after the event, I was contacted by the attorney and attorney, not um, the homeowner. And 
they were asking me questions, all these questions. And I'm being cooperative. And then I finally realized, like, why are they asking me these questions? <laughs> they never even caught the guy. So I said, I said, I don't know why you're asking me all these questions. They haven't caught him. And he says, well, they must have had him, you know, in custody because they have me calling you. Wow. So, okay. Um, wow. And from what um, the only things I know, really, I gave him my statement again. I never ended up having to go to trial, fortunately. I don't know how yeah. that all worked out. Um, however, the attorney let me know when all was said and done that he had been given 10 years in prison. So, um, and I know that some of those charges were, I mean, obviously breaking and entering and then he'd stolen the weapons and with kidnapping me. And so, um, so he had been sentenced to 10 years in prison. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the good news on both of your parts is he didn't do something more destructive. Yes. Um, you know, it's so interesting, you know, to see how one act of greed by not paying this man yeah. turns into something like that. You yeah. know, there is something called the butterfly effect and every day of our life we're experiencing it. Thank you so much for sharing this. We're going to have many more conversations Please let folks know how they can work with you, how they can find out more about you. And also, what's your personal message? What would you like to leave us with today? Today, my personal message is that I'm hoping by sharing my story that I can give courage to other women that have experienced the same or less or worse than I have. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of healing that takes place when we allow ourselves to tell our story. Yeah. I've got many close friends um, that have experienced far worse than I have. And it's very therapeutic and it's very healing to allow it to come out and to speak on it. And so I'm, I'm, my prayer is that by sharing my story that I give other women or men yeah. the courage to do the same. Trish, thank you so much. Again, give out that thank website. You. It's trishsmithguide.com. And you'll be able to find out not only what, what Trish does coaching, but you'll learn about neurofeedback, how she uses that, Reiki, the many other tools that she has. Um, please give her a call. You know, not every detail was shared during the show today. Probably you'll get to know her more. And if that comes up, but the point is not that the point is that you can go on and have a great life. And if you have the tools you need and you want to get better, there is a pathway. Trish, thank you so much for sharing a really, really tough story to share. Thank you so much. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thank you. What a not what a journey. It's such an honor. Um, thank you. Um, thanks to all of you out there. Look, if you have any of this going on, you don't even know. You don't even have to know what it is. Reach out to Trish. She'll be able to help you, everyone. Thank you for tuning in and turning us on. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Pure Intuitive Talk with me, Trish Smith, your Pure Intuitive Guide. Come back and join us for encouragement to take responsibility and to connect to your whole being. Remember that every moment is the right moment to choose peace, acceptance, and forgiveness. We all have the courage to look deep within, get real with ourselves, and make upgrades to our ways of interacting with the world. It's been my privilege to share this hour with you. 
For more information about me, go to pureintuitiveguide.com. That's pureintuitiveguide.com. Thanks again, and we will see you here next time on Transformation Talk Radio.